My Lord and my God, I firmly believe that you are here, that you see me, that you hear me. I adore you with profound reverence. I ask your pardon for my sins and grace to make this time of prayer fruitful. My Immaculate Mother, Saint Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me. Philip found Nathaniel and said to him, we have found him of whom Moses in the law and the prophets spoke. Jesus, son of Joseph from Nazareth. Today is the feast of Saint Bartholomew, an apostle previously called Nathaniel. And we're told that Philip found Nathaniel. It's an interesting verb because it shows that Philip had the disposition of an authentic apostle. He found Nathaniel because he was looking for him. An apostle is someone who looks for souls, who discovers them among his friends, neighbors, acquaintances, random meetings, chance encounters. And Philip told Nathaniel the greatest piece of news that he had discovered in his own life. We have found him of whom Moses in the law and the prophets wrote, Jesus, son of Joseph from Nazareth. And Nathaniel gives a rather disconcerting reply. He's not very impressed. Nathaniel said to him from Nazareth, can anything good come from that place? Those of us who might be from a small village, a small town, a small city, a small country, would feel a little bit the sting of that geographical slur. How dare he? But of course, in time, he's going to get his answer. But Philip was not put off by this fairly negative attitude. Philip replied, come and see. Often, this is what we say to our friends. Come and see. Come and find out for yourself. Come and see what this recollection or this retreat or this book I'm offering to you is all about. Or this whole new supernatural vision of life and society and the meaning and purpose of our existence. When Jesus saw Nathaniel come to him, coming to him, he said, There truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deception. This is one of the few occasions in the gospel when our Lord praises an apostle, a true Israelite in whom there is no deception, no duplicity, no hypocrisy. It's a pretty impressive compliment and coming from who it's coming from. Nathaniel asked, how do you know me? Jesus replied, before Philip came to call you, I saw you under the fig tree. Now, Lord is sort of revealing here that even before his human instruments come into play, souls are in the mind of God. God has his plans and he is using and maneuvering and 
bringing things about, those chance encounters, those opportunities, so that we would seize them. And also so that the, the background influence of his gentle hand, fatherly hand, would remain hidden, possibly only discovered years, decades later, if, if at all. Nathaniel answered, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. It's an impressive statement of faith on Nathaniel's part. Our Lord just sort of casually said, I saw you under the fig tree. There seems to be no comparison between our Lord's simple statement and the monumental expression of faith that comes from Nathaniel. And so Jesus lifts him to a higher level. You believe that? Just because I said to you under the fig tree, I saw you under the fig tree, you were going to see greater things than that. And then he added, in all truth I tell you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending over the Son of Man. Quite a, a promise and a revelation, a source of hope. Bartholomew was from Cana of Galilee. He was one of the 12 apostles. His friend Philip brought him to the Lord in the region of Jordan. And our Lord bestowed this great praise on meeting him. So our Lord is giving us a hint of how much he values the virtue of sincerity, of speaking the truth, of being transparent, so that people know what we're about. We're not one person on the outside and a different person on the inside. Bartholomew eventually was to preach the faith in Arabia and then in Armenia where he was martyred. And so he knew, like all good Israelites, that the Messiah would come from Bethlehem, the city of David. And so the prophet had, told, had foretold to you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, you who are not least among the clans of Judah. From you will come forth one who is to be a ruler in Israel. And whatever Bartholomew's initial impressions, Philip is not put off by his words. He challenges him, come and see. In our apostolate, sometimes we invite people, sometimes we challenge them. Sometimes, like Philip, we also just share with them what we have discovered, the great treasures of our life. Philip knew that Christ does not mislead anyone. Jesus calls Nathanael through Philip, just as he had called Peter through his brother Andrew. And so this is how divine providence works, by calling and leading others to Christ, leading us through others, 
we don't know the great plans that God has for the souls that he brings us in contact with or the plans that he has for our children. One writer says, God does not work to work on his own. His wisdom and goodness include our participation in the creation and order of things. He wants to use us. Well, wherever we are and whatever our occupation, wherever we live, whatever our contacts and friends are, we know that God wants to use me as an apostle. He wants me to have that disposition of an apostle to look for souls and sometimes to have that courageous initiative to find new ways of getting to those souls. I heard a story about a, a student in Oxford University when the first year or two of the university tried to have a lot of dealings with his classmates and got in touch with many of them and had a lot of long discussions with many of them. But then after two years felt that in the field of apostles he had to break new ground to find new ways of meeting new people. And he brought this to his prayer, asking for lights to see how can I meet new people. And he got the idea that most of the people who come to Oxford University, they come by train from London. And so he had the idea at the start of the term of spending many hours each day at the railway station. And when some young fellow gets off the train with a big suitcase looking a bit lost, he would approach him and ask him, well, what college are you going to? And then he would accompany him there. And that way he got to know many new students coming to Oxford University. People said he was an apostolic terrorist. And so our Lord is banking on our courageous initiative. If the doers of this world are eager to do all the terrible things that they do, how much more should we be willing to find ways and means of spreading the good news? And so our Lord wants us to be instruments so that we can find the Nathaniels like Philip found him and tell them to come and see. And so Nathaniel was astonished. He took Philip up on his invitation, on his challenge. He rose to the occasion. And our Lord won his fidelity forever. He gave him that great compliment when he saw him arriving. It must have been very encouraging. Nathaniel wasn't expecting such great praise. And so he asked, how do you know me? And our Lord gives this very simple answer. And on hearing our Lord, Nathaniel seems to understand clearly. The Holy Spirit works. The personal encounter with Christ produces a great conversion. Possibly the words of our Lord reminded him of some intimate event in his life. Perhaps it was the confirmation of a resolution he had made in the past. And so that encounter caused Nathaniel to make a heartfelt, explicit confession of faith in our Lord as the Messiah. Rabbi, you are the Son of God.
you are the king of Israel. And so, in the words of our Lord for Nathaniel, in the words of praise, we see our Lord's love for the sincere person, one who reflects the truth, who sees the truth, who knows their own miseries, who know what they are on the inside, who doesn't have airs and graces, who has conquered their pride and their vanity through the virtue of humility. In him there is no guile. He's a man without pretense. A man whose yes is yes and his no is no. He's the complete opposite of the Pharisees. Well, we all have the possibility of being a modern day Pharisee. Being something on the outside, but yet something completely different on the inside. You honour me with your lips, but yet your heart is far from me. You whitewashed walls. Our Lord really searches in his vocabulary to find very colourful words to say about the Pharisees. And so he says, Nathaniel does not have two tongues, one for saying the truth and another for telling lies, as St. Augustine. We could ask our Lord that we might have a great hatred for lies. And that in this period of prayer, we might make a resolution. Lord, for the rest of my life, help me to never tell a lie. May the ceiling fall down on me. May my house collapse rather than that I would be willing to tell a lie. Because the devil is the father of lies. And I don't need to be friends with the devil. And so help me to live by the truth, to speak the truth, to demand the truth from everyone around me, to reflect the truth, because truth is beautiful. And truth builds trust. When people tell us the truth, we can trust them. And trust builds loyalty. And loyalty is a very beautiful virtue. Loyalty in marriage. Loyalty in the family, loyalty in the organization, loyalty in the church. So hopefully the same should be able to be said about each one of us. Because we are people of one piece who try to live the faith we possess with all of its consequences. Lord, I'm ready to die for the truth. Because that's what the apostles and the martyrs did. And so we're told by St. Maria, the lying person filled with duplicity, ever vacillating, always sounds like a broken bell. You were reading in that dictionary, the synonyms for insincere, two-faced, surreptitious, evasive, disingenuous, sly. As you close the book, you ask the Lord, that nobody would ever be able to apply those adjectives to you. And you resolve to improve as much more, to improve much more in this supernatural and human virtue of sincerity. The follow is very clear. Like all the virtues, we can always be growing in sincerity. 
It's a very good habit to get into, to speak the truth in a regular way, in confession and spiritual direction, as well as in all other moments. But when it comes to confession and spiritual direction, we can speak the truth in a special way. There may be things from deep down, in those deep crevices of our soul, that have passed through our mind or imagination or our heart during this week. Ugly things, embarrassing things. I thought this about that person. I said this other thing. These thoughts pass through my imagination. Sordid thoughts, ugly thoughts, sensual thoughts. Because all these things are ugly. When a priest hears all these things coming out in the sacrament of confession, then he knows this person is trying to be holy. Because the priest himself knows what he's made of. We're all the same. And so this virtue is fundamental for following Christ. Since he is the divine truth and abhors all deceit. We have to try and reflect the truth in everything we do. Our Lord has told us that we have to become like little children. And often little children have a knack of seeing the truth. They see past duplicity. They know when they're being told a lie because they have a sensitive conscience. And if ever they tell a lie or they do something wrong, that little lie or that little misdeed weighs very heavily on their conscience. I told a lie, a little kid might say in confession. And when he gets the absolution, ah, oh, a big sigh of relief, I've been forgiven. There was a little girl once who was looking at her mom who was combing her hair. And the little girl said to her mom, mom, why are some of your hairs gray? And the mom had said, well, you see, every time that you do something naughty, one of my hairs turns gray. And there was a silence for a moment. And then the little girl said, and why are grandma's hair all gray? And the mother had to bite her tongue. And so we always have to speak the truth because little children see the truth. Even Christ's enemies recognized his love for the truth. Master, they said, on one occasion, we know you are truthful and teach the way of God in truth and care not for any man, for you do not regard the person of men. Our sincerity can lead us not to have any human respects, not to have respect for people just because of who they are or what they say, but to have divine respects, not to be worried about what people may think of us, or about what we say or what we do but to be more concerned about what God may think or what God may say. He wants us to be people who let our speech be yes, yes, and no, no. Whatever is beyond these come from evil. God wants us to be a man or woman of our word, that when we say we're going to do something, well, then we do it. Very good example from our for our children. 
as they don't see that we're someone of many words, but little action. And this contrasts very markedly with the father of lies. He's always trying to lead men into sin, which is the greatest deception. And we have to try and promote the message in the world that sin is the really only is really the only evil. All the other things in the world we may think are evils, cancer, lack of health, financial embarrassment, things not working out that we be planned. All these things, failing an exam, failing a driving test, all these things are not really evils. These may be the pathway to heaven that God gives us. The only thing that can lead us into hell is sin. And so our Lord is always understanding and merciful with every human weakness. Strictly condemns the hypocrisy of the Pharisees. He can't stand us, their duplicity. Their lack of unity of life. And so hence the great joy when our Lord encounters Bartholomew. And we also have the same experience when we find or meet somebody who we can see is transparent. We know the sort of person they are. There's no duplicity in them. And that truth brings authentic freedom. The gospel verse establishes a close relationship between truth and freedom. The truth will make you free. And often when we have deeper truths inside us, maybe sinful truths, things from our past life, shameful, embarrassing things that are difficult to get out, but we come and confess them, it can be an enormously liberating experience. And that's an experience we want everybody else on the planet to have. I remember a Protestant man who had converted to Catholicism coming to confession and saying his sins and saying you know father I really enjoy my confession every week coming here and be able to being able to say all the terrible things and knowing that I will be understood and forgiven and that I can walk out of here a free man he said you know when I was a Protestant and we confessed our sins directly to God. He said, that sounds very good. But the trouble with that is that you don't know whether you've been forgiven or not. But when I hear those words, I absolve you from your sins in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. This is the joy of my week. And so the truth will make you free. Speaking about those inner truths that we have or things that are worrying us or that make us anxious or, or fearful. When we get them out, we discover a new joy. And so we need never fear the truth. Even though on occasion it might seem that the truthful thing that we say or do will bring some trouble that we could avoid with a lie. Only good can come from the truth. And so lying is never worthwhile.
because also we can get into the habit of of living a lie our whole life can become a lie we may know people whose lives are like that it's never worthwhile lying just for some economic gain at the expense of some little sacrifice of truth or for freeing us from some punishment or from having to undergo a rough time and so we have to try and speak the truth in all occasions, even when we're stopped by the police. When we've gone down the wrong street or parked in the wrong place or broken the speed limit. The truth always. And so we try to be sincere with God. Sincere with ourselves. And that can lead us to be sincere with others. And that also leads us to the great virtue of simplicity. Whereby we're simple, transparent. We reflect Christ in a better way. If we are not truthful, or we're not sincere in our relations with other people, well then living together with others can become difficult, or even impossible. In a world of separation from truth, Human existence can become increasingly clouded <clears throat> and darkened by error. We're all very much aware we need to try and foster a much greater truth in the media, in television, in the newspaper, in all sorts of reporting, and to encourage journalists to live by the truth, not to sell their soul. Because if the opposite happens, well then almost imperceptibly, society can begin to deceive itself by preferring evil to good. But Christ has called us to drown out that evil and replace it with good. And so we have to be particularly straightforward with God in order to approach him without anonymity not wanting to cover anything up with the joy and the trust a good child has in the presence of their good parents. And so in this way, we can learn the real state of our soul. And those who, in the name of the Lord, are there to help us, well, they can be more effective. We try and recognize our guilt we don't recognize our guilt, we cannot receive the grace. It's not just a matter of attitude towards another person, the confessor, but to God himself. When we go to confession, we don't just confess our sins to a person. The priest is acting in the person of Christ. Christ is the one who listens to our sins, who absolves us. St. Augustine says, God is the one, not you personally, who can bandage your wounds. If you hide your sores with bandages, the doctor will not be able to cure you. It's necessary to let the doctor do the dressing since he covers them with the right medicine. While wounds heal with the doctor's treatment, they fester with the inexpert intervention of the sick person. And so St. Augustine says, from whom, do you, from whom do you suppose you're hiding them? From the one who knows all things. 
And if we're sincere, our sins themselves will be an occasion to unite ourselves more intimately with God. Look at how sincere Mary Magdalene was, the great sinner, the sinner in the city, who became the great lover, the model of someone who learned how to love Jesus Christ to the cross, to Easter Sunday morning. No wonder our Lord chose us, chose him as a model for us. These are shortcomings that make difficult following Christ closely, united to him, says St. Thomas Maria and friends of God. And they pose serious impediments in helping others draw near to Jesus. The simple person does not get muddled or complicated. He sets out directly to please God in all circumstances, both in what appears good and in what appears bad. Alongside sincerity, naturalness and simplicity constitute two marvelous human virtues, which enable one to receive the message of Christ. Conversely, all interior entanglements and complications, the twisting and turning inside and out of one's own problems, present a barrier to anyone who hears our Lord's voice. And so today we could ask St. Bartholomew to help us to gain these two virtues, which please our Lord so much and are so necessary. Necessary for prayer, necessary for friendship, for dealings with others, and for apostolate. Let us ask Our Lady for the grace to go through life without any duplicity and always with sincerity and simplicity. The liturgy says, you are all fair, O Mary, without original sin. In her, there's not the slightest shadow of that, of that vice. And so we're told in the furrow, I pray daily to our mother that we may be able to open our souls in spiritual direction and that the light of grace may shine out from all our behaviour. Mary will obtain for us the courage to be sincere if we ask her for it, so that we may come closer through her to the most blessed Trinity. And St. Bartholomew today can be our principal intercessor before Our Lady, Queen of Apostles. I thank you, my God, for the good resolutions, affections and inspirations that you have communicated to me during this meditation. I ask your help to put them into practice. My Immaculate Mother, Saint Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me.